Second Chronicles 27 tonight. Second Chronicles chapter 27. We're going to continue our study on the kings of Israel and Judah. It's been a few weeks since we've been there. And our last message that we did, I think three Sundays ago, uh, we completed the northern, the northern kingdom of Israel. Um, we've gone through all of their kings thus far. They had 19 kings over the course of 256 years. And then at the conclusion of their kingdom, they went into uh, captivity with the Assyrian Empire. Now, by comparison, the southern kingdom of Judah, up to this point, around 256, 260 years, has had 10 kings. And they have 130 years left of their kingdom still. And so we've got some time to go through and about nine more kings, I believe, uh, to cover. I think they have 18 or 19 kings there in the southern kingdom. And so uh, we're going to start looking at just all of these remaining kings over this, uh, what's left for this study. Uh, the last king of Judah we considered was a man named Azariah, uh, also known as Uzziah. In 2 Kings, he's called Azariah. And then in 2 Chronicles, he's called Uzziah. Um, you might remember him. Uh, Uzziah is mentioned in Isaiah uh, as one of the kings that uh, served during the, uh, the ministry of Isaiah. Specifically in Isaiah chapter 6, that great passage where uh, the, Isaiah sees the Lord high and lifted up. and we, That's that passage where he sees or hears the angels, those angelic beings uh, shouting, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And that begins that chapter in the year that King Uzziah died. And so that's where we recognize that name from. Uh, and he's reigned for 52 years, Uzziah did. And he was a good king overall, but it ended poorly when he refused to live by the clear biblical instructions of how to live and, and, and reign. And because of his disobedience, towards the end of his reign, he was stricken with leprosy. And the last years of his life and reign were limited and were shared with his son, Jotham. And we're going to go ahead and look at Jotham this evening. And so notice with me, the last verse of chapter 26, and then we'll read the nine verses of 27. So, so Uzziah slept with his fathers, and they buried him with his fathers in the field of the burial, which belonged to the kings, for they said, he is a leper. And Jotham his son reigned in his stead. Jotham was 20 and 5 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jerusha, the daughter of Zadok. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Uzziah did. Howbeit he entered not into the temple of the Lord, and the people did yet corruptly. He built the high gate of the house of the Lord, and on the wall of Ophel he built much. Moreover, he built cities in the mountains of Judah, and in the forest he built castles and towers. He fought also with the kings of the Ammonites and prevailed against them. And the children of Ammon uh, gave him the same year a hundred talents of silver and ten thousand uh, measures of barley. So much did the children of Ammon pay unto him, both the second and thir the third. So Jotham became mighty because he prepared his ways before the Lord his God. Now the rest of the acts of Jotham and all his wars and his ways 
Lo, they are written in the book of the kings of Israel and Judah. He was five and twenty years old when he began to reign, and he reigned sixteen years in Jerusalem. And Jotham slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. And Ahaz, his son, reigned in his stead. This evening I'm going to give you three points tonight for us to consider about Jotham. We're going to consider tonight the content is brief about Jotham. Number two, his conduct was biblical. And then number three, his completion was blessed. Content is brief, conduct was biblical, and his completion was blessed. So this first thought, the content is brief about Jotham. In fact, it was a challenge for me. As I read, I have nine verses here in chapter 27 of 2 Chronicles. And over in 2 Kings chapter number 15, there are seven verses that are basically a repeat of these nine verses about Jotham. There's not a lot of material out there on him. I even went to Google, and I couldn't find a whole lot on Jotham. All right? Uh, there's just not a lot out there on him. Now, when we say that, it's not a negative. It's not a criticism. It's just there wasn't a lot to pull from. But it's not because the content is not limited because he was an evil king. Notice verse number 2. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. He was a good king. In fact, you won't find a negative thing written about him. Uh, everything is positive. Everything is good. Everything is above board. And so his limited content is not based upon being an evil king. It's not because he had a brief reign. Look at verse number 8. He was 20 and 5 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. Now, certainly not as long as some kings. Um, uh, his father, in fact, Uzziah, reigned for 52 years. But it's not brief either. He had 16 years of, of, of reigning as the king of Israel. And really, there was a period of time that he was co-ruler with his father, Uzziah. Uh, he ruled while Uzziah could not because of his illness of, uh, of, um, of, of leprosy. And so this briefness is not because he had a short reign. Uh, this content is not brief because he was not active. Again, look at verses 3 through 5. It talks about him building the high gate of the house of the Lord. Uh, and then also on the wall of Ophel, he built much. Moreover, he built cities in the mountains of Judah, and in the forest he built castles and towers. He fought also with the king of the Ammonites, and the children of Ammon gave him uh, these, this, these taxes there. And so we see that he was a busy and active king, both in building and in military battles. The content is not brief because he wasn't successful. Verse 6, Jotham became mighty. Uh, he was a successful king. Nor is the content brief because he was not godly. Again, it says because he prepared his ways before the Lord his God in verse number 6. And again in verse number 2, he did that which was right in the sight of God. So although we have limited content about this man, I think it's a great reminder for us that there are a lot of strong believers out there, and there have been a lot of strong believers and Christians that sometimes just don't get recognition. And by the way, that's okay. 
I don't think anybody ought to be looking for recognition. Nobody should be looking to elevate themselves, and, and certainly he was not. But remember this, God is always watching. God is always looking. A couple of years ago when we had our, our spring revival, we brought in various men that one year that had grown up at Heritage or had a time of tenure here at Heritage. And, and the very first one we brought in was Pastor Chris Edwards, who obviously grew up here. And I don't remember the passage, I don't remember where it was, and I'll just paraphrase the idea of his message in that, that opening meeting there was, uh, he was reminding us that God knows even the wall builders, even the people that are out there doing the menial task, God knew their names and God knows about them. And so even if you're not recognized, even if you're not publicized, even if nobody knows for sure what you do, know this, God knows. God's watching. God is looking. We were just back in Pennsylvania this last week, last Sunday through Wednesday. I preached this meeting there. It was their 36th anniversary at this church that I had pastored from 2002 to 2010. And so we were grateful to be back there and enjoy a time. And in uh, uh, the Sunday afternoon service, they showed a, a video, uh, a slide presentation of, of, of Fellowship Baptist through the years. And, and they had several pictures there from our era there. Our boys were tiny when we went there and little kids. And it was a great way to reminisce. And, but one of the pictures that touched my heart the most was about a lady you've never heard of. Her name's Nancy Kerr. And Nancy was a faithful nursery worker. For years, she did the Sunday school nursery class. I'd walk by there sometimes during the Sunday school hour, and I'd see her in there with a little child down there teaching them how to pray and fold their hands before a snack or teaching them a song and these little babies and and just spending time with them. And for years, in my eight years there as a pastor, I would go over to someone's house to check on an ill person or to see if they needed anything. And they would oftentimes say, well, Nancy's already been here. Nancy was never asked to go. Nancy was never told to go. She just had a servant's heart and was constantly doing that. Nancy went home to be with the Lord here a few years ago, and I've often thought about her and just the faithfulness behind the scenes nobody ever knows about, but God knew about it. And I can imagine when she walked into heaven as the Lord saying, Welcome home, my child. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And so whether you're ever recognized or you're never recognized, be faithful serving God. This content on him is brief. But I also want us to see tonight his conduct was biblical. Look at verse number 2 again. Chapter 27, verse 2. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Uzziah did. Howbeit he entered not into the temple of the Lord... And the people did yet corruptly. Now that phrase there, he, howbeit, he entered not into the temple of the Lord. That's kind of an insert there. That's a, that's a, that's been added there by the author of this because that's where the problems began for his father, Uzziah. Uh, This is a reference back to chapter 26. In the life and reign of Uzziah, look at verse number 16 of chapter 26. Speaking about Uzziah, but when he was strong, 
his heart was lifted up to his destruction. All right, so here's this King Uzziah, 52-year reign. The majority of his reign was good. He's counted as a good king. But when his, he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. For he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. Notice verse 17. And Azariah the priest went in after him, and with fourscore priests of the Lord that were valiant men, and they withstood Uzziah the king, and said unto him, It appertaineth not unto thee, Uzziah, to burn incense unto the Lord, but to the priest, the sons of Aaron, that are consecrated to burn incense, go out of the sanctuary, for thou hast trespassed, neither shall it be for thine honor from the Lord God." Of course, Uzziah gets wroth here, it says in verse 19, and eventually he's stricken with, with leprosy because of this. And the latter part of his reign was a negative time or a difficult time. And so when it says that in chapter 27, verse 2, howbeit he entered not into the, into the temple of the Lord, we're seeing here that, that, that Jotham uh, does not contradict the scriptures, and does not disobey the scriptures as his father Uzziah did. Notice that Uzziah's heart was lifted up. He became prideful in himself. And he thought that he had an opportunity and a, and a privilege, I guess, to go into the temple himself and to burn these incense. He thinks more highly of himself than he does of God's word. Let's look at some of those scriptures, if we would, for just a moment. Go back to the book of Numbers Chapter number 16. Numbers chapter 16. And notice when the instructions are being given about the temple and about the procedures of the temple, notice what is said in verse number 39 and verse number 40. It says, And Eliezer the priest took the brazen censers wherewith they that were burnt had offered, and they were made broad plates for a covering of the altar to be a memorial unto the children of Israel that no stranger, which is not of the seed of Aaron, come near to offer incense before the Lord, that he be not as Korah and as his company, as the Lord said to him by the hand of Moses. In the middle of verse number 40, that no stranger, which is not of the seed of Aaron, come near to offer incense before the Lord. Jotham is not of the seed of Aaron. Aaron is of the tribe of Levi. Uh, Jotham would be of the tribe of Judah. The tribe of Levi is where the priests came through and where those with priestly duties came out of. The tribe of Judah that had another opportunity, another privilege to be the kings. And so he goes in there and he does something that was not for him. Look at chapter 18 of Numbers, verse number 7. Chapter 18, verse number 7. Therefore thou and thy sons with thee shall keep your priest's office for everything of the altar and within the veil, and ye shall serve. I have given your, uh, your priest's office unto you as a service of, of gift, and the stranger that cometh nigh shall be put to death. This was a serious matter with the Lord. Now sometimes we read things like that and say, boy, that's harsh. But God's got a command, God's got a law, God's got a purpose here. 
And so this was written all the way back in the book of Numbers. And the behavior of Uzziah, uh, it uh, contradicted, it disobeyed the scriptures. Look at one more of these Old uh, Testament passages. Look at chapter 17 of Deuteronomy. 17, Deuteronomy chapter 17. And, and notice with me a few verses here uh, towards the end of the chapter of this uh, that, that tell us what the king was supposed to do. Starting in verse number 14, when thou, speaking to the nation of Israel, when thou art to come unto the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, and shalt possess it, and shalt dwell therein, and shalt say, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are about me. Thou shalt in any wise set him king over thee, whom the Lord thy God hath chosen. One from among thy brethren shalt thou set king over thee. Thou mayest not set a stranger over thee, which is not thy brother. So now speaking about the king in verse 16, this king that would come. Verse 16, he shall not multiply horses to himself. You remember we studied about who had a problem with that one? Solomon. Remember, he had not just horses. He had, built, he had to build stables for this great army of horses, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to the end that he should multiply horses. For as much as the Lord has said unto you, ye shall not henceforth return no more that way. Neither shall he multiply wives to himself. There's Solomon again and multiple other kings, that his heart not uh, turn away, neither shall he greatly multiply to himself silver and gold. And it shall be when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom, that he shall write him a copy of this law in a book, out of that which is before the priest and the Levites. And it shall be with him, and he shall read therein all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, to keep all the words of this law and these statutes and to do them. I'll come back and I'll finish this chapter in just a moment. But do you understand what it's saying here is the king was to write his own copy of the law. They were to start in Genesis and they were to write that out. That's one of the king's responsibilities. They were to write out a copy of the law for themselves it says there in verse number 19 in the middle that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, to keep all the words of this law and these statutes, to do them, that his heart be not lifted up above his brethren, and that he turn not aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left, to the end that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. So here's this, this command of what the king was to do. And one of the benefits of that, it would keep his heart from being lifted up. And that's exactly what uh, Jotham is, or excuse me, Uzziah was accused of back in chapter number 26. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. It appears that Uzziah has quit recording the word of God. He's quit writing the word of God. He's quit listening to the word of God. His heart gets lifted up and he forgets what the word of God said. You're not allowed in the temple. You're not allowed to burn incense. And thank God for these, these priests that stood to him, right? These 80 men, these valiant, these brave men that stood up before the king. This is not where you're supposed to be. You're trespassing. Now that's what Uzziah did. And his son does not follow in that stead. And that's why that little interjection is placed there in chapter 27, verse number 2. Howbeit he entered not into the temple of the Lord, 
And so we see that he had a conduct that was biblical. He followed the scriptures. So his content about Jotham is brief. The conduct that is described is biblical. And then his completion is blessed. I began there in chapter 26, uh, verse number 23 of the the last verse of 26, where it says, So Uzziah slept with his fathers, and they buried him with his fathers in the field of the burial which belonged to the kings, for they said, He is a leper. This is describing for us here that Uzziah was not allowed to be buried in the, the royal cemetery. He could be buried next to it, but not in the cemetery of the kings. And it was because he was unclean. He had been contracted this, this disease of leprosy, and so they do not bury him. This was a, a, a final uh, negative curse that was placed upon him because of this disease. But when Jotham dies, notice again in chapter 27, verse number 9, and Jotham slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. And Ahaz, his son, reigned in his stead. And this this qualification is not given to Jotham. Uh, And he was able to be buried in the royal cemetery. And so his completion was blessed. Uh, He obeyed God. He ruled for these 16 years, and God said, I will reward you with your burial, and he received those honors. Now, as I considered this, I realized Jotham only lived to 41 years old. Here's a good, godly king. It appears he's done everything right, nothing negative written about him. And yet he dies at 41 years old. He only reigns 16 years. Do you ever wonder that someone young, productive, active, serving for the Lord, and we hear about or we experience it in our own lives, we know somebody that passes away at a young age and we think, wow, they're so young. Seem to be doing so, am I the only one that thinks that? Everybody's looking at me very spiritual here tonight, like you, we don't think that, Pastor. <laughs> uh, I, I question that sometimes. I remember I had a preacher I used to listen to when I was a young pastor. I got a bunch of, it tells you how long ago I was a young pastor. I had tapes of him, and I would listen to these tapes of this preacher. And then I found out this preacher died of a massive heart attack at 39 years old. He was pastoring a great church in Florida. They were growing. They were flourishing. By all uh, outward accounts, things were going wonderful. And I don't know if there was anything hidden. I don't know if there was uh, something behind the scenes I didn't know about. But to me, I was like, wow, I can't believe this guy died. And, And I would question that in my mind. And so I meditated on these thoughts here for a while on Man, he was only 41 years old. He appears to be a good king. He's leading the nation in the right direction. So why does God take the young and godly? And here's some thoughts that came to my heart and my mind as I searched around and read and studied some things. Let me share with you three three thoughts for us to consider this evening. First of all, death for a believer is not a tragedy for that believer. Uh, It may be difficult for us, 
But after that believer dies, that's the best day of his whole entire life. You know, even if he was living a good and productive and wonderful life, wasn't suffering, when he leaves this world, he is immediately in the presence of God. He's at home. He's in heaven. And there's this amazing thought of, of, of what he's just, or he or she has just experienced in those few moments there. And so although it may be tragic to us, it may be difficult for us, the death for a believer is not a tragedy. They're just home before we are. They've made it there. And what a wonderful thought that is. Can you imagine those first moments in heaven? You take your last breath here, and whether your eyes are closed or I don't know how it can even be, but just in that next instance, here you are in a place that we would have a hard time giving a very accurate and good description of. But there you are with the Lord. I saw a picture years ago. I think it was called um, First Day in Heaven or something. And this artist was able to capture this joy in this little girl's, this little girl's smile and eyes. And you can't see the face of Jesus. Jesus is hugging this girl and her face is buried into his shoulder. But you can see her, her, you can see her eyes and her, and, her, and, and her smile. And you see the back of the one that's representing Jesus. And I think, I say, wow, what joy that must be for these individuals that make it to heaven. And so number one tonight, death for a believer is not a tragedy. Even for those that died while living a healthy and good and productive life, Listen, we would not wish them back to this world after being five seconds in heaven. They've just experienced this wonderful place. and We would never wish them back to this earth. So death for a believer is not a tragedy. Death for a believer, I believe, is on God's time. Hebrews chapter 9 speaks of an appointed time. It's appointed unto us once to die, and after this, the judgment And so the death of a believer is on God's time. God gives them an amount of time or gives us an amount of time, whether that is 20, 30, 40, 60, 80, or 100 years old. God gives us a limited amount of time for us to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. But when God wants us home, it's time to go. And so death for a believer is on God's time. I thought of this, death for a believer is an opportunity for an ongoing testimony. Again, just sharing a, a quick testimony of with you from uh, Brother Chris Edwards' church. I was down there this last fall preaching at uh, Ambassador Baptist College and went to their uh, went to Graceway's Wednesday night church service uh, while we were down in North Carolina last fall and. Um, I preached that night, and I met a guy uh, and a a wife, a husband and a wife, a dad and a mom that that last year had lost their teenage daughter. She had gone through cancer, and and I couldn't get all the numbers exactly right and all the details exactly right, but uh, at any rate, they figured out real quickly they would never be able to Uh, host the funeral at their church because it would not be big enough to hold the amount of people they were expecting. 
So they reserved the gymnasium at the public high school there, and, and literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, well over a thousand people, came to this funeral service for this, this little girl that had gone through so much. And dozens of young people got saved that day because of this amazing testimony of how this girl went through this, this awful battle of cancer. And I just think about a testimony of this, this one that, that died young, who had a strong testimony for the Lord, and it continued to move on even after her death. How many of you ever read the devotional, My Utmost for His Highest, written by Oswald Chambers? You realize Oswald Chambers died at 43 years old? Why? Why would God take this great preacher, this great man that's doing a great work at 43, and yet his legacy and his testimony lives on today? How many remember the missionaries there in, uh, uh, where was it, uh, the Aka Indians down in South America? Roger Yoderin, 33 years old. Ed McCauley, 28 years old. Nate Saint, 32 years old. Jim Elliott, 28 years old. Four men in their prime wanting to serve God. And God allowed them to, to die young. And yet their testimony lives on to this day. And has impacted millions of people through various books and articles and testimonies. David Brainer. You've heard that name. A missionary to the Native Americans died when he was 29 years old. I just read a book or a portion of a book recently about a man named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. During World War II, a German man martyred for his faith at 39 years old. Robert Murray McShane, a great Scottish preacher back in the 1800s, died when he was 29 years old. And of course, Jesus died as a young man, didn't he? 33 years old, and yet their testimonies live on. And so death of a believer is an opportunity for an ongoing testimony. And so although Jotham died as a young man, and although his content is brief, we can learn much from this not a very well-known king. Certainly be inspired to live a life that counts for the Lord. Live faithfully for God. Trust God with our lives. It may be difficult for those that are left behind with, when they lose a loved one, but oh, the thought of having a loved one at home in heaven certainly does bring peace, doesn't it? We certainly can go on and live our lives uh, knowing God is in control and God is a sovereign God that we can trust and believe in. So those are a few thoughts I received from this study of Jotham. And I trust tonight that we'd be inspired to live a faithful and fruitful life for the Lord for as long as he gives us, uh, whether that's just a short amount of time where he gives us decades, let us be faithful serving the Lord. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this evening. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Perhaps your heart was touched this evening about your life. It truly is a vapor, isn't it? We're here for a short time, especially in comparison to all of eternity. And God's given you an unlimited amount of time. Are you living it in a way 
that if you went home tonight, you'd have a testimony, you'd have a legacy. If the Lord took you home this evening, would there be a legacy about your life? Did you touch some people? We all have an opportunity to touch somebody, and I trust that our lives are doing that. Let's learn from these examples that we've heard from this evening. Father, I pray tonight, Lord, you take these few moments of this invitation. Lord, you'd work in our hearts, help us to be obedient to you. Lord, help us to be living for you, using the opportunities that you give us, God, in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed as the piano begins to play. The Lord's touched your heart. The altar's available for you this evening.